Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Out of the Gray, the podcast where we discuss all things radiation therapy and radiation oncology. Today, I am so excited we have a special treat with us, Mr. Lee Culp. Lee, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. My name's Lee. I'm a medical dosimetrist. I'm currently employed with Eliza in medical physics. I've been in the field, I don't know, six or seven years, something like that. This is actually my second career, which is silly because I'm not even 40. I have a bachelor's degree in communication and business. Went back to school and got my therapy license and associates in that. And then I went back and got a master's in dosimetry from the University of Wisconsin. My first job out of school was at OSU. So I'm very loyal to the Buckeyes and the team there. Then I came back home for a job at Roswell Park. And then I recently left to pursue a career with Elizen, which I love. So in my free time, I am a spin addict. I love spinning. Like I became a level three certified spin instructor during COVID. So that's just something I do for fun. Wow. Oh my gosh. So you truly are either just incredibly dedicated or a glutton for punishment. A little bit of both. I hate every (laughs) second of it. But um, (laughs) when I'm done, I'm just like, I love it. I love it. When can I do it again? So I've gotten really in with that spin studio. So I just started like working for them in the morning, opening it up. It's keeping me busy. And I love to do everything. Anytime anybody asks me to do something, I'm like, sure, I do it. Let's do it. Wow. How cool is that? You know, I did purchase a spin bike at the beginning of pandemic thinking, here we are, right? Perfect chance. Yeah. It is a phenomenal coat hanger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Once on the Peloton and it was not my favorite ride. I like the group classes better. Yeah, so much fun. So much energy in those rooms, right? Oh, it's, it's amazing. Well, we got to talk more about that, obviously. Yeah. But we're already off to a great start here, Lee. So much to unpack. So your second career, and which is, it's funny that, you know, that's so phenomenal because here on Out of the Gray, we talk a lot about people entering the field as a second career and how to do that and what additional obstacles you might face. So you'd be the perfect tutor for those looking to refresh their career outlooks and change directions, maybe even completely. You said you were in business first? Yeah, I was uh, in banking. I worked for the third largest bank in the world at one point uh, for 12 years. So I started out as a bank teller and worked my way up. Uh, I was a senior fraud detection specialist, the manager of that department at the end before I left. So fraud detection specialist for the third largest bank in the world. And you had an epiphany, some, a life change. What encouraged you to go back to school? It was kind of like a moral issue. And that's funny. Like when I interview and stuff, like people ask that. And it's the same answer all the time. When you work in fraud detection, you deal with a, people that lose a lot of money because they're being robbed left and right. And like a month difference time period between these two instances. And there was a man on the phone and he had a ton of money. So they, he asked for his credit to be rushed. And I had to go to my boss at the time and he would have to give me approval. And he said, sure, no problem. And then like a month later, this woman called in and she was crying. And she's like, I don't have money. Feed my kids. I can't pay my bills. Can you rush it? And I was like, yeah, let me pass, no problem. And they denied it because she didn't have the money to do it. And I was just... 
Like, I, this isn't what I want to do. This isn't right. This isn't fair. So I just had this moral issue. So I started volunteering and I volunteered at Roswell. I don't even know, three or four years. And that's how I found out about the field. And it was just something that I really loved. And I still love it. All I want to do is plan. I like lay in bed and plan. But yeah, that's... And then I just... I started to go back to school while I was working. And I ran out of vacation time. And I had to resign from the bank so that I could finish school. But they had to you know, go to you know, your clinicals that were all day. So I would have to work that schedule out. And I eventually just ran out of vacation time. And I was like, all right, well, I took enough. I saved enough to do this. And I just went back to school full time. And... It all worked out the way it was supposed to. Wow. What a phenomenal story. Okay. So transitioning into radiation therapy from an already very professional branch of work, what was that like for you? What was the transition like? How did it go? I think it went fine. At first I was timid and like, I wasn't sure of myself. And I think I've been, I was like that in my younger years, but as I got older, I, I just found my niche that I could just talk to the wall, right? Like I just, and everybody will tell me like, you should go into sales. And I just laugh. I don't know anything about sales. And I might be comp. It's not like the fake comp. I just love to talk to people. I love people. I think, you know, it's human nature to talk to people and it's human nature to be kind. And I'm always going to go out of my way to be kind to people. It's just because I, I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And that's clear. You can see that. I know our listeners can't see you, but I certainly can. And I can see how, Excited you are. The passion for your field is is written all over your face there. And that's great. I love that. Wow. Okay. So finished radiation therapy school and goodness knows that is a task in and of itself. Started a career, then back to school again for your CMD. Tell us more. How did that go? So actually when I was in therapy school, I got really, really sick and I was Three weeks. I had a, I got in a little bit of a car accident, which led to like major infection. But um, so I had to resign from therapy school. I'll forget that. So that's what took me three years to finish that because I had that break and then I came back and finished it. So I was for three weeks. And then, you know, as soon as that was over, I went right into dosimetry school. And that was like a hybrid where you know, your classes were online and you'd go into the clinic and learn daily. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a good opportunity. It was, I knew that's what I wanted to do from the very beginning of all this. So it was just continuation. I see. So yeah. you had a plan. You were like, had a plan. Yeah. action man, we're going to get this rolling. Yeah. That's awesome. So you graduate your CMD and you start working in clinics and and things like that and started at OSU, you said? Yep. I worked at the breast center there. So I I have this like little niche in breast cancer and it's actually become like my passion. Very passionate about it. And I can just look at a breast and know how to treat it. And that's something like I'm very thankful to those that took me under their wing and teach me that at OSU. And I have great therapists that I worked with there. I worked with great doctors. Dr. White and Carla was my lead dosimetrist, and she was fantastic. And I will always say that she is the reason why I know what I'm looking at when it comes to a breast. So, and then, you know, I tried to bring it back to Buffalo because I was very passionate. What was it like being a part of the research? How did you find yourself there? It was just like at OSU, there were so many opportunities. It was, it, it was fantastic. I will always, always say that it was a great job, great opportunity. 
everybody all around, they just would ask you, do you want to be involved in this? Do you want to do that? And I always was like, yes, I always feel that anytime you're asked to do something to do it. And I did. And, you know, I learned again from the greatest and, you know, Dr. White, I think they say she's the best press radiation oncologist in the entire world. So I was lucky to learn under her and Carla is like her right hand woman. So I learned under the two of the greatest. So that's so interesting. And thank you so much for sharing that. So now moving forward, you're with Elizen. Yeah, Elizen. Yeah, they're a fantastic company as well. So, you know, I've been with them just for a short time, but the things that I've done with them and the growth that that company has is amazing. And there's amazing talent with them as well. I'm very fortunate there too. So, well, I, I know Elizen's an amazing company. I see their ads on LinkedIn all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, you see Mark's little videos chatting up Elizen. And I, I love that they're all great people, wonderful. I'm sure they're amazing to work with. I, I know yeah. from, from my desk, they certainly are. So I think they're great. Yeah. That's fabulous. So you live in, um, in upstate New York. Yeah. Is that right? So are mm-hmm. you, are you working remotely or do you still go into clinics or how does your job work right now? Yeah. I'm 100% remote. I see. My little office. Yeah. And, you know, eventually I'll go to the clinics, but I haven't gotten my full vaccination. I got half of it. So next weekend, I think I've got to drive back to Syracuse, which is three hours away to get the last part of the second shot. And then I think I might be able to travel then. There's been some, who knows what's going on? I don't know. I think we're allowed to travel once we have the second shot. Oh my goodness. I, well, 2020, right? What right. a nightmare. And then here we are kind of seeing light at the end of the tunnel, finally. Mm. I know I'm the senior chair for the annual conference committee for AMD. And we were planning for an in-person meeting, hybrid and remote all at the same time. And we just had no idea which way it was going to go. And then I think at the end of January, they finally made the call. Like it's going to just be all remote. So I was looking forward to going to New Orleans, but you know, it's the times. We all were. I know. And I'm hoping... I know AAPM this year is virtual as well. And Astro is still hanging on to the the in-person show, right? Yeah, because they're what, like September, October? October. Things might be a lot different by then. We can only hope. We had to make the call. Yeah, yeah. So also senior chair at at AAMD. The annual conference committee, yeah. I'm not a... I start, well, and even still, committee, I mean, you just, the hats don't stop. They just keep coming. I mean, do you, do you eat your Wheaties every morning? What is it? What's the secret to all that energy? You know, I don't like the taste of coffee. I only drink it for the caffeine. So my girlfriend will make fun of me because she says I put a quarter cup of creamer in it. <laughs> I'm like, so maybe it's caffeine. Maybe it's the sugar in the creamer. Who knows? But <laughs> I really am an early riser. Like, I just, let me do the early shift, get out and enjoy the rest of the day. Or I just have a hard time sitting still. Yeah, that's apparent. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, you know, talking about how you got into the field, that amazing journey that you took us on, which we certainly appreciate. I'm curious about from a dosimetrist perspective, given that you participated in research and, and you see these things every day, you plan from bed, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're shoulder deep in it. Mm-hmm. How do you see the world of dosimetry changing? Because we've changed so much. Like I had a conversation just last week or the week before about 2D planning and how long it's been since we did things like that. 
So now, you know, planning remotely, that was sci-fi when I started school, right? I mean, that's Jetson's gear. So how do you see the field changing from where we are now in the next five to 10? Um, I think we're going to see a lot more of like flash therapy, delivering high, high, high dose rate and dose all at the same time, quicker, you know, all at once. I do think we're going to see more dosimetrists working remotely. I think that's okay as long as you can work independently. I mean, some people can't, right? And that has to be taken into account as well. But I do think we're going to see that change in the field of, well, okay, well, I guess you don't have to relocate to work here. And somebody wants you enough, I guess they will work with you. But as far as like planning and stuff, yeah, we definitely came very far. 2D, I don't even think I ever did a 2D plan from 3D and then, you know, timer TV, Matt. With Proton seems to be taking off quite a lot as well. I can't think of my words right now. But like, you know, initially it was real hot and heavy and then it died down a little bit because the insurance companies weren't paying for it. But now we're seeing more and more coming. Um, I think that's because the footprint on it is a lot smaller as well. And then, you know, AMD just had the spring symposium last Friday, I think it was, for the Proton. They had a Proton symposium. So we're starting to see that more and more, the proton. So I think we're going to, it is going to that way of higher dose in a smaller amount of time, you know, shorter fractions, a lot of SBRT, SRS, flash. So I, that's where I think it might go. Well, I don't really know. <laughs> so sad. I think. No, I think you're spot on, though. I think, you know, looking at companies like Leo, and others that are, you know, and seeing the increase in proton therapies and, and a hearing, I haven't seen any yet, but hearing about the implementation of heavy ion beam lines, things like that, you know, they're coming, moving forward to all kinds of glorious technological advancements. But what would be your Jetson's, you know, flying car dream for radiation oncology? Oh, that's a tough one. My dream would be to deliver the best plan I could ever deliver to the patient. But also, you know, you avoid your major organs at risk and not have any secondary causes from the radiation that we treat or that we treat with. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm not, I don't think I'm super creative to say like a flying car and radiation oncology. Uh, that one stumps me. No, it's a loaded question, right? It's It's a big one. So I've heard everything from you know, to do the perfect plan, right? That's the dream. That's our goal. That's what we all signed up for, right? That we, I mean, go back to school twice for, you know, to do what you do and love. And that is the goal. And, you know, myself included. You know, with the creation of the MCO over the past few years, that helps you get to the better plan. I wish that it was a little bit, not easier, but a little bit, like you really know, you really know. Like I want, I wish it could tell you because like an optimizer, somebody told me one time that it's like a bad boyfriend. It'll make you all these promises, but in the end, it never follows through with the promises. And I was like, oh, okay. I hope I'm not a bad boyfriend. (laughs) Ask your girlfriend, am I an optimizer? No, right? What do you say? Right. But I mean, I I would, it'd be nicer to see it be more true to itself. I think that would be my to know that it's what I'm telling it to do. And then once it calculates, it's real like apples to apples. It's gotten better, but it's not. Yeah. No, I think we're, we're headed in that way. 
you know, I think reverse planning and automated contouring, right? Oh, yeah. Templates. Love all yeah. those. I've been building templates. You know what that's like? Building a template, right? But they're so useful and they save time and that allows you to help even more folks. So I, I can totally see the benefit there. That said, since you have come into the field as a second career, as such a passionate individual, volunteering all over the place, finding yourself in, you know, as, as the you know, show chair, all of these things, what would be your advice if you could go back and give yourself advice at the beginning of your educational path? What piece or what letter would you send yourself? What little note would you give to yourself? I mean, I started college, like my first degree, super young. I think I graduated high school when I was like 15. So I was super young when I graduated high school. I didn't know. I couldn't even drive. Like they were dropping me off at college. So I had no no belief in myself. I didn't know who I was going to become. I had I was afraid of everything. And I went to, you know, the University of Buffalo and it was kind of large for me. I grew up on an island. So I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> and uh, I was very intimidated. And I think if I were to go back and tell that little kid, I would say, just believe in yourself and you're going to get through it. Take the time and just actually believe in yourself and find that strength from inside. I mean, I eventually did find that strength. Like since I joined this with Eliza, like I feel like I've gotten a lot better as a dosimetrist. I don't even know it's four or five months, and you just keep learning, and that's that's the one thing is to keep learning. I love it. I love teaching, and I love learning. So that's awesome, you know. And such, you know, such a great piece of advice too to pass back to people who are already in the field, you know, to yeah. teach and guide and and help to facilitate the growth in those coming behind us. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah. Excellent message to share. What do you think would be your message or note to someone preparing to or considering getting into radiation oncology as a career choice? So it would be um, something that I live by in the field and it's to take every opportunity that you can. If somebody presents you with an opportunity, take it. And take opportunities. That's true. You know, even sitting around the water cooler, listening to the folks in dosimetry or sitting, listening to the folks in physics or listening to even the admin, you know, there's so many things you can pick up in a clinic as a new person or as someone who's just starting, just shadowing, you know, like you said, you were volunteering when you kind of found radiation therapy. And I think there's so many things to just pick up and carry with you, learn every day, right? Yeah, and don't be afraid. Ask questions. And even if you feel like you're annoying, because you might be annoying to somebody. I know I was annoying. Just be that positive person that I think most people are. My dad taught me when I was little that the three most important things in life are attitude, attitude, attitude. And I was like a little smart mouth kid. And I was like, no, they're not. And he would ask me daily, what are the three most important things? My mom, my sister, my grandma. And I knew the answer he wanted, but I would never give it to him. And it wasn't until I was maybe 30 that I realized that he was spot on. And I think that if you remember that, you can change your attitude. And once you can change your attitude, anything can happen. That's gorgeous. I love that story. I know I've said that like 50,000 times during this interview, but... 
That's so cute and so cool and so poignant because it makes a sense as someone coming into the field, you say, you know, what are the three most important things? Oh, X, Y, Z. But you're absolutely right. Attitude, attitude, attitude. Anything you can cut through with just positivity. Right. Yep. And that's like one of the things like the patients have to have a great attitude to get through all of their treatments and stuff. So you also have to have a great attitude to get through that tough stuff. You know, that said, talking about the folks that are coming into the field and, you know, even considering radiation oncology. So, uh, you know, that's such a transition to where I'm headed next. What would be your message or note to people like yourself who are already in the field and seasoned and kind of already knee deep in it? What would you say to them? I would like to probably tell people that it's a team. We're teammates. Like our goal is to do the best for the patient. And if you see somebody struggling, whether it's at their job or personally or something, you know, maybe just say, how's it going? Cut them some slack. Or if it's, they're struggling you know, with a program or something, say, what can I do to help you? I think that those that are willing to go above and beyond. So I think that that would be one of my messages. And also like it does, I'll bring it up again with students. Like this is our future. We need to mold them and we need to let them know that they're important and there are professionals as well and teach them. Don't just say, well, you're taking my time or whatever. Like really go and teach them and let them know what they're actually doing because there's plenty of times that I've had students come up to me and be like, I don't really know what I was doing at the machine. They just were doing stuff and I wasn't even allowed to go in the room. Mm -hmm. I was like, cool. Because I had that experience too. And it makes it difficult because you're just like, I don't know, I'll figure it out. And But you know, eventually... I could be the person laying on that table and I want to know that the students that I trained are doing the best and they're the best. And so I think that's important as well. I think that's a good point. I always try to instill that, uh, you know, in the students that I was lucky enough to interact with because you see, you see the, you know, the brightness they come in, all the ideas they have and everything. You really can soak up a lot of information from folks coming in. So excellent point. And I also think that it's important to have an open mindset that somebody else might be coming into your department that they might do things differently. It doesn't mean that their way is the wrong way, right? Their way is different, but it could also be a better way or could teach you something that you don't know. You don't have to automatically just snap down and say no and not give a little bit. Like listen to what they have to say because they might be onto something. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We're all a team, a community and growing together as we grow, right? We're growing together and and making a field that is changing rapidly. Yeah, There's so many changes coming. There's so many awesome things on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Well, I've had such an amazing chat with you. Thank you again so much for coming. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners that you're working on now or that you're thinking about working on or what else you got going on over there, Lee? Right now, like I just recently transitioned into this role. So there's nothing too, um, nothing that I'm personally working on. I know my company is doing things leaps and bounds, but um, right now I'm just focusing on the meeting. That is a lot of work right now. So that, that's, uh, hopefully after June, I'll be able to breathe a little bit. But yeah, I got to get my agenda done for tomorrow's meeting. No, it's not. Tomorrow. I got to get it done for tomorrow, but 
meetings next week. So yeah, that's that's really what I'm working on. But once that's over, I'd like to get born into some like hands-on research if it's possible. I've got ideas for when we can actually have like in-person meetings and when I'm allowed to present again. I can't present when I'm a chair for the meeting because it's too much work, too much commitment. Get some ideas that I've been writing down topics that I want to present on. So yeah. See how that that I like to present too. That's my like spinning. I hate every second of it, but afterwards I feel good. (laughs) (laughs) Presenting and my research and my work in class. I hate them both, but I love them both. Right. It's a weird, weird oh my goodness that I I have to ask, are you one of those spin instructors that gets up there and is like screaming at the class? Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's what, yeah. That's what you do. I love it. Oh, that's fantastic. But yeah, like it's a motivational thing, mm-hmm. you know, that's what it is. Like, and I have one spin instructor, Lexi, that was yelling at me. I did this like five week challenge the past five weeks. It was over Monday and she like past like week or two, she was every day just like imp- implementing that even if you, the people that succeed are the ones that are working hard behind closed doors, not just working hard in front of everybody else. And that applies to everything in life. It's not just working out in spin class or it, I mean, it applies to like this field as well. Like, you know, when you're in school, you're doing six hours of clinical work. Maybe that's what it was. I don't remember, but you still have to take the time at home to like really go over what you did and there's going to be times and like when you're presenting and you're doing the research, like you present for 50 minutes, but you've done, you know, a month's worth of research and putting it all together. So it's always what you're doing behind closed doors. is what makes the difference. I love that. That's. So I think that's yeah, no, that's a fantastic message. It is applicable everywhere. It is. I, any, any facet of life, you know, yeah. there's blood, sweat and tears behind the doors that you don't see. Yep. I mean, some people have natural raw talent in a lot in some things, but not most people. I'm not one of them. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Bless them. They're wonderful. But I give credit to those that, that, that have it. Oh, so. my goodness. Yes. Yes. Big high five to those that are blessed with that. I, yeah, no, a reader. <laughs> well, Lee, I certainly appreciate you taking time out of your busy, busy day to come and share your experiences, your stories, amazing stories with us and and myself and our listeners and letting us get to know you a little better. Sure, absolutely. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. Great. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. I certainly do appreciate it. Folks, if you're still listening with us and you haven't already, do click that subscribe button. Follow us uh, as we continue circling the globe, picking the brains of the best and brightest in our field, sharing their stories, research and news in rad rad and rad physics. We certainly appreciate you joining us this time and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you so much and have a great day.